Hi, this is Ernie Hudson, and you're listening to Candair Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And returning to the show, boy, it's been a minute since this cat's been on. A long time. And I, if I remember correctly, I think he was here for our very first retro roundtable we ever did, where we talked about Ghostbusters. Almost, I'm almost it? positive. Yep. We welcome back uh, today a comic creator to talk about his new book, The Illusion Witch, uh, creator Ruben Romero to the show. Ruben, thank you so much for being back, sir. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. It feels good. It feels like I'm home. It does yeah, feel good, does. man. I mean, <laughs> you you uh, were a reoccurring guest for mm-hmm. some time. I mean, wait, this has got to be, what, number four maybe, I think now? It's been, I need Something to go look. Something at least, yeah. You've been on a few different times, and uh, always always a pleasure. So very excited. We know we're in for a good episode today. But in our retro roundtable, we're going to be talking about just uh, magic and magicians from throughout pop culture, just because of uh, Ruben's uh, comic, The Illusion Witch, where she's herself is an illusionist. So just kind of uh, what are magic you? and those who make it. Yeah, paying tribute to the <laughs> uh, the theme of uh, Ruben's book there. So yeah, magicians and magic from throughout pop culture. I have a few things here. This was a little more difficult for me. I don't know about you guys, but then we're going to turn our attention over to Ruben and talk about the illusion witch. But before we do all of that, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CandairPod and on Instagram at Cand underscore Air. If you like what we're doing, want to show some support, head over to patreon.com forward slash canned air pod. Our Patreon has gotten that revamp. Mm-hmm. Looks good, talking. too. Yeah, it's, it's coming along, isn't yeah. it? There's mm-hmm. still some more uh, kinks to be worked out. We're getting the merchandise all worked out for the Patreon. But yeah, all the new tiers are set up. and Shiny. Very nice and shiny. <laughs> it looks like it should have looked a long time yeah, ago yeah. now. But and uh, new content is rolling out as I might want to be posting something else here in the next few days so uh, just keep an eye out on it all kinds of good things I think we're going to do like a I'm going to do an episode where we it's pretty much just a glorified commercial where we just keep playing a bunch of clips from all of our different Patreon shows <laughs> to, like you want to give us your money now huh how about now you, every time we ask <laughs> right. that out and put it in there <laughs> right <laughs> so uh, don't forget that uh, Jack what am I forgetting well, Tuesday nights, most of the time, around 9.30 p.m., <laughs> come hang out with me and Randy as we play some Jackbox and maybe uh, meet another podcast or something like that. Yeah, you guys always have a comic creator or a different podcast uh, yep. come on the show to promote and play games. Mm-hmm. Always uh, fun to watch. I watch it sometimes. I and watched it last week. It was a good time. Win some prizes, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some you merch want that Candare like shirt? That. Yep. That's the place to get it. That's it. Want a mug? Don't want to fork over the money for it? Play some games. That's you how you grab get it. bag of old comic comic books. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all right. I'm 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 I'm, <laughs> I'm harping here. All right, let's kick it off with this week's retro roundtable. Do it, do it. Come on, I'm here. Come on, do it now. Grab, taste bad. All right, gentlemen, magic and magicians from throughout pop culture. Jack, kick us off. My first one that came to mind, which took me a long time, was from a movie, which 
I heard such good things about, but never did watch it until recently. I watched both of them. The uh, Now You See Me movies. I don't know if any mm. of us have seen those. Uh, no, but that sounds familiar. Yeah. Who was in that? Uh, Woody Harrelson. Uh, what's his name that played? Jesse Eisenberg. Jesse, yeah. <clears throat> I never saw um, that, no. Who else? There's a couple other people. Basically, they're, yeah. they're called the Four Horsemen. They're illusionist magic people, but they're uh, they're like a, a a magic group that they go out and it's basically a heist movie. Oh, There's something that's okay. Going on, I think Morgan Freeman, he's in it too in both of them, and he is like a magician from way back in the day. That he's like their nemesis. He's like the bad guy in the first movie or something like that. And really? Yeah. There's a big heist that he causes them, but the one thing about it is. It's set, of course it's set in real life, but the magic is actually shown to be like it is actually magic. It's not just illusions they're doing. They're doing real magic in, it, like in their world. Like yeah, magic. there's small things that happen that you're like, there's no way, but there it actually is magic. Because there's a kind of like the, what is it, the Templars, the, like the secret society of magicians that that's what they're part of. There actually is a real magic secret society hmm. out there. It was cool. It was, it was a good movie. The second one was good. One one of the girls that was in the first one, she wasn't in it for some reason, but they got another chick to take her place, which she was pretty cool at magic, too. Huh. It was a good movie, though. Now You See Me, Now You See Me 2. I didn't even realize there was a second one, but uh, that does sound good. It makes me think of uh, the Edward Norton movie, The Illusionist. I never saw that one either. Ruben, you see that one? Yeah, actually, I've seen both of them. Um, yeah. it, it, I love the uh, I love now you see me too. Uh, the whole plane illusion, like that whole trick that they pull off, mm-hmm. like that was that was pretty uh, that was pretty sweet. Um, and both of those movies have like a level of like just believability because you see people like David Blaine and David Copperfield they pull off these ma- these huge massive illusions out in public spaces where you're like, no, there's no way that's that's possible. But like you know, they 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 make it believable, even though you know you're sitting there watching a movie, and there's a whole bunch of different tricks that go into this whole elaborate scheme and scene. But like, it feels real when you're watching it. You're like, oh, that's that's pretty that's pretty inventive. I, I enjoyed those movies. And being a heist movie too, that they they'll always be like, all right, so this is what we're gonna do. And then while they're explaining mm-hmm. it, they're going through the whole heist part, and it's just like step by step. So it's like Ocean's Eleven kind of pretty a much with magic, yeah. yeah. Like in the second one, there's a whole part where they have, they all have a card and there's like a secret code on that card. And they're sitting there doing all this sleight of hand, passing this card around this room because they need to download something onto a server. And I don't know. I don't remember what country they were, though. Hmm. But this card is just flying all over the place. And it was so smooth that nobody had any idea what was going on. Hmm. Woody Harrelson's great, too. Now you make me want to watch it. That is a good movie. Who's it? Mark Russell's in it, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the, the, the whole cast is like everybody in the movie is like is a good is a good actor. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like there's nobody that they slacked on in terms. I think even um, who is it? Michael Caine. Michael Caine's in the second one, I think. Yeah, as well. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Man, he's really gotten yeah. on my radar. <laughs> Man, yeah, I don't so think they good. were really big, but those who watched it, it's like almost a cult thing. Maybe almost. I keep thinking of mm-hmm. uh, every time I try to remember this film, my mind goes straight to what was the Kevin Spacey film where he was uh, teaching kids how to like count cards and they'd take them to the 21 Mm, 21 yeah yeah. now was that jesse eisenberg as well who was who was the kid Uh, in that no that's uh, jesse eisenberg is in it but um it's the kid from across the universe jim struggs oh yes okay 
God, yeah, I'm just an endless you have a memory like a steel trap, son. <laughs> I appreciate that. No, I just have so much, so much useless information. I just love movies. I love movies. <laughs> I think I watch too much TV sometimes, but at the same time, it's one of those things where it's like it helps me hone my craft. So, sure, yeah. yeah. I get it. Yeah, you make stories. You got to know stories, right? Mm-hmm. Well, let's just uh, turn our attention to Ruben then. Uh, how about you, a magician or uh, just magic from throughout pop culture, man? You know, I went with magic. I went for at least for my first one here. Um, I went with the Patronus charm, just because I think it's one of the coolest magic spells that I've ever seen. Because it it involves you having to tap into like a pure memory for you to be able and to to embody this you know ethereal form of magic that comes out of your wand for it to protect you against the darkness. So I thought, you know, I thought. Not only was it like, not only is it cool, but it's also kind of beautiful, you know, where you do have to kind of center yourself and put yourself back into like a specific moment for you to be, even be able to conjure it, you know? So I, it always stuck out to me reading the Harry Potter books. And I always thought that it was such a great way of showing like who you are on the inside, because like the Patronuses take the shape of, you know, what, you know, something that you love or something that, that you admire. So mm-hmm. it always, it always stuck with me. It reminds me of, uh, you know, again, having to be in a certain state of mind for, you know, the magic to work. It makes me think of uh, Peter Pan, like it, the mm-hmm. way you had to keep a happy thought in mind if you wanted oh, yeah. to fly. And I'd be like, man, I'd be falling to my death <laughs> over. Like, it would not work for me. Like the state puff idea of sudden popping in your head. There's always going to be something popping in your head to take your mind oh, off of yeah. what you're thinking of. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine holding a happy thought, period, but long enough to fly. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm, you're asking for a lot there. <laughs> Start getting that little bit of doubt, and then you're like, shit, I can't think of what I was happy about. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And here come the Dementors. That's <laughs> I was thinking about Harry Potter, and I think I really have to sit and watch the movies because I've seen them all, but mm-hmm. they were so spread out between the times I saw them. I forget what happened. Yeah. That, and they're so deep. And I've always, I grew up, my grandma was straight from England, so she had a British ac- English accent. So I was always pretty easy to understand what she was saying, but sometimes I, their enunciation of stuff. Like, I don't think I would be able to use some of the spells. A little too British. I don't know <laughs> if I'd be pronouncing it right because I'd have the American accent in it. <laughs> Do not spell, governor. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Harry Potter... It's. I know exactly what you mean with those films. I remember... Man, I don't know. It's been probably about four or five years ago now, but... Uh, there was a weekend there where like there was a ton of snow on the ground. I was sick, you know, just you're not going anywhere for a long time. So I watched them all back to back and I had seen a few of them. But for the most part, that was the first time I'd seen most of them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like you said, there was so much that happened within them. But, you know, a few years later, I don't remember Dick. Yeah. I really don't. Like, I remember, like, the final battle a little bit, like, some of the last movie, because mm-hmm. that's when it got really good for me. It got kind of dark, and, like, you know, these, these some of these characters were getting killed off and stuff. I was like, okay, okay, I can kind of get on this now if they're going to start getting, you know, a little dark on us. But um, their names are so strange, too. I think I have a hard time yeah. grasping putting the name with I couldn't tell you a person. fucking thing yeah. that happened in any of them. Any of them. <laughs> I, I've got like an always tattoo, um, which again is just like a reference from from the movie um, between Severus and 
and and Lily Potter, which is Harry's mom. Mm. Uh, the movies, always, they just always stuck with me. You know, like it always felt like it, it, it was one of those stories that if for some reason, like it wasn't for like it wasn't for me because I remember my little brother reading the Harry Potter books and I was like, I wasn't about it. I was like going outside and playing basketball. Um, and it wasn't until later on, like maybe like my mid 20s where I actually picked up the Harry Potter books. Um, and, you know, to me, I, I tell people all the time, if you can get past the first two stories, uh, same thing with the movies, like with the kids stuff, um, yeah. they do. They start to get a little bit more serious, a little bit more darker. And right around you hit that, you know, the Half-Blood Prince mark. That's it. It gets, you know, especially with the movies, like even the, the color grading on the movies changed uh, to, to, to embody, you know, a more darker tone. Um, almost a, a DC version of of what we were watching in the first few ver you know first few films. So it it does it 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 grows with. The, I think she had the luxury of being able to grow with her with her fan base, and and her fan base was was reading those books as they grew up. So she was able to do that, and 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 that you know it, it worked out for her obviously. Sure, <laughs> I think that's part of it too. Is if I had read the books, I would understand more who was what, what was going on a little sure. bit better. I get the appeal. Because I know there's so much more in, in, always in the books. That what's going Absolutely. On. And, you know, I mean, I think, um, I guess my disinterest first came, you know, kind of like Ruben said, if you can get first through those first few books and movies, you know, in my first exposure, I was working at it like a movie. I was working at a Sam Goody when that first one first came out on DVD. And that, I mean, that was fucking hype. I mean, yeah. We couldn't keep mm -hmm. that in the store, so I was like, "Well, I gotta watch this." And after I watched it, I was like, "What the fuck, man? Like, what's, the, what's the deal with this?" <laughs> but um, so that's why you know I didn't follow up with them. Right. But uh, you know, right. years later, and I, you know, everything Ruben's saying is right, and they are good films. I'm not mm -hmm. saying they're bad. They're just not my uh, cup of tea. My sister is obsessed <laughs> with them, and again, I get it. I totally get you either it. Either love it stories. or you're like, eh. It's good. I mean, I, I guess just the whole wizardry thing is, I don't know, the whole thing's a little too cozy for me, I, if that makes any <laughs> sense at all, does it? I, 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 I can, yeah, I, I can understand that. I can, it, see, it, it all feels really safe and like yeah. there's no real threat. Um, and even even going through it with Voldemort and, and all of that, like at the end of the day, he wasn't the, he wasn't the greatest villain. I mean, Jesus, he couldn't take over a high school. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah. um, but, but there was... I don't know. There was like Star Wars. It has so many life lessons in it, and it's sure. it's really it's really weird what you take out of it, especially when you're looking for a certain message or a certain you know to feel a certain way. Uh, those books, like I said, you know, coming back on here, and I'm you know not joking. It's you know talking to friends that you know that you've known for a long time. It feels like that. Like I'll go back to those books and and read them from cover to cover just because it feels like going home. You know. Yeah. Uh, it's just one of those things. I understand that totally, and you know, I um, I, I I prefer Star Wars. Obviously, I don't think the two can mm -hmm. be compared. Obviously, <laughs> but you know, it, it was no. just brought up. But um, you know, Star Wars. I mean, going back to that cozy thing, you know, even in Star Wars, when you're at your safest moment, you're still sitting in sand drinking fucking blue milk. Like you're never, you're, you're never totally safe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay, the Empire's not after my ass, but something else is going to be really quick if I don't keep him moving. I don't know. I don't know. I, I it's, again, too cozy. Yeah, for me. But anyway, 
Um, my pick is going to have to be very unconventional. I didn't even I I didn't see him in any wiki list or Google list I brought up. I just he came to mind as probably one of the most unfortunate uh, magicians ever uh, from the old Christmas movie Frosty the Snowman. Now this is a guy. Remember the the bad guy magician in the film. From Frosty? No, I don't... Now, this is how Frosty got his top hat. This is how Frosty got his top hat, his magic hat. This was a failed magician who just didn't do a good trick, and then just by chance one day had come across a magic hat and lost it to a fucking snowman, man. (laughs) (laughs) Snowman and kids. Like, you had been aspiring to be a, 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 a magician your whole life, and finally you find a real bit of magic. And it's just taken from you. (laughs) Just taken from you. To a snowman. To To a snowman snowman and fucking brats, man. (laughs) I don't think I've ever seen Frosty the Snowman, actually. Yeah, I mean, at at this point, when I was little. I mean, watching it for me is like only a nostalgia thing. So if I hadn't seen it, I'd be like, I don't give a shit. (laughs) I think I just like the song better. I didn't want to watch it and. I mean, the song is pretty much tells you exactly what happens in the movie. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. a spoiler, so you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just drawn out for a half hour versus <laughs> pretty much fifteen second song. Pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. But um, is that some... the stop? Is that the stop motion one or the traditional animation Frosty? That's the animation one. Was there a stop motion oh, Frosty? There, there was a stop motion Frosty. What? Yeah, like a Rankin and Bass Frosty. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who produced it, but I remember. I remember I, I, my son just we we threw on all the old uh, Christmas stuff for him um, during the holidays, and it popped up and it looked like you know it was like that old clay, almost sort of looking. Type You're of not thing, thinking of the snowman that's beginning a Rudolph, are you? Nah, nah, nah. This was like no, all all, cause... all snowman. What the? It was fuck? all. It was like a whole snowman story. Like wow. I, I mean, I, I mean, again, I it could be produced, you know, it could be recent, but it just looked like one of those older movies, you know, it looked like right. something older. And I just figured, I just figured maybe I missed a snowman story when I was growing up, and I was like, okay, well, this is it, because it was like all the old, you know, Charlie Brown and all that stuff, and like it was all on Apple TV for a little while. So he was huh. watching all of that stuff, and I was just like, oh, might have been motion. on when you okay. were watching seen that in a while. as a kid, maybe on one of the other channels. <laughs> It was on fucking PBS when Rudolph was on NBC. Yeah, yeah. I never even heard of that. Never heard of that. But um, man, I don't think I'm probably going to dig too deep into that. I, yeah, again, I, I, Frosty doesn't. Christmas is over. Fuck it. You know? <laughs> to search for that, you'd watch it and be like, "Really? That was it?" Because that's happened to me before. Like, be like, yeah. oh, "I'm going to watch Rudolph this year," and then I watch it and it's over. I'm like, "It's just not the same as what." You know, I was it's a so kid. funny. We we on the show uh, on past episodes a long time ago, it had come up, and I don't know if you remember this, where I had somehow I knew the song like "I'm Mr. White Christmas, mm-hmm. I'm Mr. Snow," and I, I hadn't seen that movie. That's what uh, year without Santa Claus. Yes. And I kept sitting here. We all sat here thinking, like, how could I know that fucking song? But I'd never seen the movie. I figured it out. Batman and Robin. When Arnold Schwarzenegger has all of his henchmen sitting around going, sing, sing. Yeah, they're singing it. That's, That's where right. I know it from. So I have never seen it. I, mystery figured out that only I care about, apparently. But I just wanted to put that, get that documented in the show's history here. <laughs> so Lock it away. We figured it out. We figured it out. 
All right. In all places, Batman and Robin. Yeah, (laughs) right. The worst one, Always there to show us the way, isn't it? All right, Jack, back to you. Oh, another big magic thing that I've always loved was... uh, the game, the original Kingdom Hearts. I don't. I didn't play the, any of the other ones. I don't know if you ever played those. Uh, yeah, the very first one we got uh, for what was that PlayStation Two? I think. I think so. But it was a cross between like Final Fantasy and Disney World. Final Fantasy Disney. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember getting to a level that was just unbeatable and saying, "Fuck it." That's I did the first time. It was the Alice in around Alice in Wonderland. I had a real hard time, but then years later, I played it again and was able to beat it. Hmm. But I remember it was. When somewhere around the Aladdin part of it, when the genie came out, it was like the the first time the genie comes out. And when the lamp got rubbed, there was all kind of billowing clouds and stuff. And then the wispy sparkles and then the genie comes out and just thought, man, you know what? Disney magic has always been the best. It really <laughs> has. Um, I mean, especially if you've ever been to the theme park. I mean, Jesus, they really pump it up. Yeah, I can't even imagine because I've never been any of the disney's yet uh i mean i'm trying to think of like quick immediate examples but like uh i remember like when we went uh one of the times there was like this little mermaid uh experience thing pretty much you just sit in the theater with glasses on but you know anytime it'd splash you'd feel water you can feel wind i mean they just really pull you into it like Mm -hmm. all the sights smells feeling the stuff it's crazy again i can't even like fully explain it to like truly give it justice and you can't um, watch like youtube videos because all you see is what's happening you don't get the whole experience it's nothing short of magical see and that's the difference i think between i've said this before between universal studios and walt disney world universal studios is fucking fun walt disney world is magic <laughs> and it's the truth it's the truth you you leave it disney is. world uh act feeling like you've experienced something hmm. um and again universal studios is cool as shit but you're just like oh that was fun <laughs> what's next you know <laughs> it feels like a theme park if that makes sense to anybody oh yeah but. It does. It does. We talk about it's actually uh, it's funny that you even bring it up because it's on my list. Disney magic is is on my list because mm-hmm. um, I'm an annual pass holder and and I go there. <laughs> I mean, obviously, with the pandemic, it shut down for a bit. But once it got open again, we felt, you know, very comfortable going there. Um, and they do. They provide. I mean, you want to talk about Star Wars like that whole Batu. And that's Star Wars Rise of Resistance. When you walk in there, like you are, you are in Star Wars. Like uh, it, it, yeah. I just had the most amazing experience building my own lightsaber at the park uh, like two months ago. And literally, uh, you know, I don't want to spoil the experience, but you know, like, it, like a lot of stuff goes into it. You're not just, you know, cramped in a room with a bunch of other sweaty people. Like there's only eight other people in the room or ten other people in the room with you. I think there's like ten or twelve spots. And, like, you are in the back of, like, a workshop and, you know, Yoda talks. Hey, it's the craziest thing. Like, I was in tears by the end of it. And That's it's only I'm... because it's the Disney magic. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, it's not just walking up into a store and buying a, a, a saber, you know, inside a box. Like, you actually feel like you're somewhere in the galaxy and some, you know, you're where you're tinkering away building your saber. And there's this guy telling you a story, you know, and it's just these amazing moments that that can only happen in Walt Disney Parks. Because, again, I like you, I've been to Universal and I love it. I love the Harry Potter section and and it's one of my favorite, you know, places in Universal. But it pales in comparison to anything mm-hmm. that Disney does inside oh, their parks. No doubt. No doubt. It just 
I know if I went in to do the Star Wars Disneyland, I'd probably walk in weak in the knees. I've watched know it. I've watched the experiences on YouTube several times, <laughs> and you know, uh, you know, like you said earlier, you know, you can watch it on YouTube and you don't get the full experience, which is true. Mm-hmm. But um, at the same time, you do see the magnitude of what they're doing yeah. in those videos. And uh, one thing that comes to mind is that Rise of Resistance ride. That's I've watched it, and I. It I mean, blows even me away just to sit. Yeah, and watch it. yeah, just watching the video, you you get the scope of the emotion and the feeling that's being pumped through you. Because essentially, and Ruben, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I took from the video is, you know, you're walked into like this transporter pod thing, and once you mm-hmm. get in there, it shuts. And you mm-hmm. know, obviously, all the windows around you are screens, but they're screens of the exact outside. You you know, the real life you just walk through, and it yeah. shoots mm-hmm. you straight up into space, and you get into one of the. I mean. It feels like you really left the earth for a few minutes. And then I you would come imagine. back in a totally different spot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, when when you when like when you take off, you're um you're immediately captured um by the by the first order and then you're boarded. And the doors like you get caught and then the doors snap open and like there's a first order officer with like a garrison of first order troopers and they come in, blasters pointed, and they're like, get out, you know, like you're going to detention. You're going to the detention center, and they put you in a jail. Like, they put you in a jail cell. Kylo Ren comes, you know, and comes to interrogate you, and he's called away by Hux, and and then the whole ride starts. You know, you like, they literally cut a piece of wall out of your cell, and the resistance comes in and gets you out of there. And, like, it's this whole experience that, like, again, I, I just, I don't think anybody really, like, you won't be able to feel it, like you said, until you really do it. When you're on that Star Destroyer and you smell the smells and you see the stormtroopers and Kyle Ren is stalking you through the halls of this thing, like it is, it is really something else. Like I, I, I was lucky enough to go, you know, like I said during this pandemic where there was not a lot of people, and again they're still doing that ride queue where you can only really ride the thing once. Um, so I was lucky where my mother-in-law was with us, so we got to child swap. So I got to go back to back on the ride. The first time I ever rode it, I got to ride it back to back times. I got to go with my girlfriend and then I got to go with my mother-in-law. So I was completely lucky and blown away and, um, and lucky enough to experience both tracks because there's two different ways your ride can go on oh, wow. inside Rise of Resistance. So it's, it's, it's an amazing, magical experience. And like I tell people all the time, they're like, oh, I'm not really into Disney. I'm like, yeah, that's what you say until you get there. That's and when you get there, you you start to feel like a kid again, and you're like, you can't help but smile and laugh. And when you got kids, it's even it's a hundred times better because they're just they're really in it. And watching them, you you start to you start to get that feeling again, and what it feels like to really have that child's imagination, where all of this stuff is more than real. You know? Right. It's it, you know that is Mickey Mouse when he's looking at him. You know, so it's it's one of those things where it's just like you you remember how magical that place is and. Has that effect still? Yeah, thirty nine years old, and I go there, and I'm just like, I gotta see everything. I gotta stay till the fireworks launch. You know, I want to see the right. castle. Like, I'm all about just some Disney magic. So, when you watch the new Star Wars movies, do you recall the smells and stuff that you see happening on screen? Does it... <laughs> <laughs> I just wonder. I'm serious. I'm... It's like PTSD type thing where you're like, Oh my god, I remember yeah. that. 
Yeah, carbon scoring, you know. Yeah. You know when, those, when, those, when those lasers hit that metal, man, you, it, it's, that, that 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 metal tinge, you you know, you know, there's nothing quite like it. Nothing quite like it. It's funny because the first time I ever went to Disney World was in uh, 2000, year 2000, and uh, to this day there are things like illusions and stuff that they had set up there that to this day I can't figure out mm-hmm. how they did, and that's that's magic. I mean, yeah. they just send you home, just like scratching your head, like. How did they possibly do that? You know, <laughs> it's incredible stuff, and that and it's weird because then um, I don't even know what it is now. Maybe it's a whole Toy Story Land, but it used to be mm-hmm. like a, the World of Tomorrow or some something like that, like like the, a futuristic look at uh, the world. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I remember there was this, this uh, experience where you could go in, and I think I've talked about this on the show a long time ago, like handful of people go into like a small auditorium and sit in a circle around this tube where you know they say oh we've made contact with another world and you know their president or their leader is going to teleport down and say a few words to you and something goes wrong and they teleport <laughs> some big alien down killer alien and so the lights go down and when it comes up there's this huge alien scratching and it looks just like a uh, xeno uh what are they called xeno xenomorph thank you from alien yeah but obviously, this was the royalty-free version of the, of the thing. But um, again, you know, just like the lights would go down, and you'd feel the top of your seat like go down, like he was running across the top of the seats, or you could like all of a sudden hear it like in your face, and you'd feel saliva hitting you, or you'd feel its tongue on your neck, like they they just mess with you the whole way. But I remember in the waiting line, I think it was to that ride, there was just all kinds of weird shit just like behind ropes for you to look at while you waited in line. And there was this big cage that had something that looked like a big butterfly or something in it. And the light would go down and like come right back up immediately. And whatever the fuck was in there was just totally gone. And I was like, I still to this day can't put my head around like, how did they do that? I never took my eye off it. It never fucking moved, but it's empty. How did they do that? Was it ever even there? I don't know. I don't yeah, you're talking know. about you're talking about Alien Encounter, which has now been repurposed to uh, Stitch's Adventure. So now they from Lilo and Stitch. Now they uh, mm. now they beam Stitch in, and Stitch runs amok because I think the, the xenomorph was a little too intense for Disney cores. Yeah. I tell day. you what, man, it was intimidating. I mean, I remember people in that theater, like screaming, like scared because <laughs> this thing was vicious. <laughs> and just, you know, when you saw it in that tube clawing and kicking to break itself out, like, yeah, I get it being too extreme for kids. I get it. <laughs> well, now that they officially own the Xenomorphs, they they should they should definitely bring the ride back, the experience back. I think. Oh, it would be so cool. I would. Yeah, I'd love to try that again. Then they also. I mean, then the second time we went, this was maybe about seven, eight years later. They had turned a part of that building into a uh, mic from Monsters Inc. Mm-hmm. It was a comedy the, club uh, where yeah, they just the laugh collect floor. Laugh, laugh, the floor. laugh. What would what'd you say? The laugh floor. Laugh floor. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'd gone in there and we just thought we were just going to be watching a cartoon character on a screen, you know, do a comedy routine while we sit there and go, or, 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 or. No, this thing, uh, yeah, it was a cartoon character on a screen. But he was pointing people out, and not only pointing them out, but distinctive like 
characteristics about them. And Good God. It was freaky. And all of a sudden, you saw us turn like pale white and our eyes get big. Like, oh, shit, we are such easy targets. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way he's not going to say something. But luckily, he didn't point us out. But it was incredible, again, how they did that. I mean, I, I think that was probably just, you know... You know how they do that, like that mapping. So, like maybe some motion capture, motion yeah. capture ma- mapping kind of thing. But mm-hmm. sure sounded like Billy Crystal, <laughs> unless they've got Billy Crystal chained somewhere in Disney. <laughs> they got him down there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that's going to do it for uh, talking about magicians. Unless anybody had anything else uh, to add quickly. No? All right. Well, let's turn our attention over to Ruben and talk about the Illusion Witch. And, man, uh, again, it's so great to have you back. See, you're making comics again. It's been a little while since we heard from you. And uh, this book, man, sounds super interesting because I guess at surface level, when you hear something like the Illusion Witch, you think, okay, she's a magician, witch. What, is she going to be a hero or a bad guy? Not the kind of case here. This is just... Kind of a, and correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm just giving my surface level impression of it. A uh, a comic about kind of self discovery, right? Yeah, and it's all wrapped up in in an adventure, like in a in a big fantasy adventure. Um, Tell us you about know, I this wanted, book, man. I mean, I'm, incre- I'm incredibly interested. Yeah, I wanted to uh, tell a story where <clears throat> where somebody went through, had gone through traumas in their life and had become disconnected and forgot the power of human relationships and what it meant to actually really care about somebody and care about something other than yourself. Um, and, uh, but I also didn't want to tell that story straight up. You know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I didn't want it to be an indie movie, you know, so to speak. I, I you know, I, I, eventually I want to transition to film. So I always think of things in that aspect where, you know, is this an indie film or is this like a summer you know, blockbuster temple kind of adventure kind of thing. And, um, and that's where, you know, I wanted to take the illusion, which I wanted her to be a real human person with, you know, <laughs> undoubtable flaws. Um, but for her to understand these things, she had to go through something, you know, extraordinary, you know, it, it couldn't just be some sort of therapy session that unlocked Pandora's box and allowed her to face her demons. It needed to be, something that 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 had some some sort of real magnitude that it actually that you know that it actually mattered beyond just you know acknowledging some sort of flaw that you might have as a human being right that's incredible man so so how did this uh concept then come to you i mean is this something uh i mean are you writing from like experience or a place in yourself where's the story coming from it, it comes from a lot of places you know my my mom passed away uh, in front of me and, you know, five years ago. And, uh, and right after that, I, 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 you know, I experienced a divorce and, um, and I think that in a lot of ways, um, my, uh, psyche kind of just kind of broke down, uh, because I was continuously not acknowledging the fact that, you know, I was losing things, you know, because, of disconnection and ill communication and because of disease and so on and so forth. So all of these things were happening to me and I just kept on moving, you know, and mm-hmm. eventually <clears throat> I broke. Right. So it was one of those things where I didn't have to go into some Lord of the Rings realm. It just hit me like, like a Mack truck. So, um, but, and, and I thought about my experience and about how hard and how many years it took me to actually even be able to tell people that my mom passed away without breaking down 
and kind of having to, you know, ignore it or drown it out with something, you know. So it was just one of those things where it was like, um, let me, let me, let me tell this story so that I, so that people can understand that, you know, just because things have happened to you doesn't mean that you need to close yourself off. It's actually the opposite. You know, the more bad things happen to you, the more you need people around you um, to help you get through it. I think I could benefit from reading this book, probably. <laughs> and that's not even me just trying to be funny. I mean, uh, that sounds uh, really good. I like that. Um, so what about the creative team behind this book? Oh, man. Uh, lucky, I'm fortunate enough to be working with with Andrea Erico, who's done a ton of uh, what you would call good girl or what they would call good girl art for Xenoscope. You know, the pretty pinup covers and things like that. Uh, racy stuff. He has... Um, he did some interior work for Hotline Miami for Behemoth Comics, and um, you know I was I was actually searching for artists for another project that uh, that I've got cooking up called Stay Safe Out There. When I stumbled across Andre and he sent me this huge you know PDF full of his art and uh, samples and, and stuff like that, and I was just in the back of my mind I was kind of pussyfooting around with with with, with the illusion, which because I was so scared to tell the story, you know, like I was. So afraid that it was like, you know, even though it's a female um, protagonist, there is a lot of me inside of Adia. And, you know, and I was scared that, you know, a lot of the things that were in there were were going to, you know, or the things that I was going to write about were going to bring up bad memories. But, you know, uh, the minute that I saw Andrea's, Andrea's art and he said he was available, I had already had the first two scripts written. And I immediately, you know, the minute that he jumped on board, I went ahead and, and finished off writing three through five. And, you know, he's just, he's been a blessing, man. He's an Italian artist, you know, working overseas. Um, so it's kind of crazy, you know, how it all works out that, you know, I've got my artist, Andrea, who's in Italy. I've got my colorist, P.H. Gomez, who's in Brazil. Luckily, uh, Dave Lentz is my, my letterist and he's here in the States and, He's kind of the guy who's putting all, my, you know, the whole book together in terms of when it's all done, um, you know, not just word bubbles, but, you know, just the way the book, the book is designed, so to speak. Sure. Um, he's going to be doing that. And um, and yeah, I mean, I've got a great team and, you know, I'm fortunate to be able to have this team to tell this story because it is important to me, you know, and I wanted to have, you know, just the best of the best working on it. And uh, and I feel like I've got, you know, I've got that. Right. I mean, from what I've seen, I mean, I've seen some sample pages and it looks damn good. Yeah, it does. Uh, so you had mentioned uh, at least, uh, you know, volume or excuse me, issues one through five coming out. Is this going to be a self-contained story or is it uh, do you see it moving past uh, those five issues? You know, it's funny because the story set in Sarai, uh, which is a fantasy world that I've created. And um, in the last few months, I, you know, last couple of months, I had a friend of mine, uh, Chris Walk, who 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 said <clears throat> the Romero verse, you know, we were talking about my, you know, my writing and my creating and things like that. And <clears throat> I never really thought of myself as, as that person, but then I thought, well, you know, I'm continuously writing. I'm continuously creating, um, you know, Stephen King does it, you know, George R. R. Martin does it, you know, obviously, you know, so many people do it. I'm like, there has, you know, there's a, there's a world there that you can, that you can play with. You built it. There's no, reason why you can't mess with it so Sarai itself the fantasy world uh will come back um I, I have plans for that fantasy world and and it's different regions and different parts um I have a book I have a, a a book that I'm also working on a couple scripts I'm, I'm I'm finishing up now on a book called um uh Infinite Dungeon um aka Fuck This Quest and it's <laughs> um 
it's it's uh, it's set in Sarai. So Sarai will come back. But in terms of Adia Locke and the characters that we're going to meet in, in, in The Illusion Witch, like Baru and the Kelvin family, Siren and Syria and the Three, which is our big bad, um, though th that's a self-contained story. It's Adia's story. Um, you know, I look at it much like what Boom is doing right now uh, with, like, Spy Island and, like, well, that's Dark Horse, but, like, just different uh, publishers are doing, like, these just these, these mini series runs where it's, like, you know, five or six issues and they tell this one story and it's almost like a movie, you know? Exactly. And it would be a two-hour movie or a mini series on, you know, on Netflix or something. Um, and I think that, that that's becoming the trend. So I kind of wanted to, for the Illusion Witch, to do this. I mean, every writer wants an ongoing series, you know, but I've got that with the agency. Um, so, so Illusion Witch and Inferi, which is another book I'm, I've, I've got out right now, um, those, those two are, are mini-series. Those are, those are going to be self-contained stories. Inferi is going to be a little longer than, than the Illusion Witch, but, but Illusion Witch, yeah, that's, that's going to be five issues. Um, there's there's a little bit of stuff that I want to add, you know, so I might pull it out to six, but but yeah, there's there's it's there there's a self-contained story there. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not going to go outside of that. I think that's how uh, such a story should probably be. I mean, to think of a, you know, based on what we've heard here, you know, again, that self-discovery just because you've lost everything doesn't, you know, mean you've lost everything kind of mm -hmm. a thing. Yeah. I can't see that really. Uh going on you know without getting really watered down into a full, after a while yeah because you would think it would, have, you would know, get better and being yeah. just a, a contained arc yeah. you know i i totally get that and i uh i'm glad you said that i uh, you know i yeah if you're gonna say oh yeah we want this going the next six years i mean i'm sure it'd be nah. good but i mean you would change it would get you know obviously well off the rails from where you started yeah, more than likely yeah but. Oh, for sure. Yeah, she's got a level to grow, you know, or levels to grow. And I think that, you know, story-wise, she's going to go through enough things that that hopefully you as the reader will say, by the end of this thing, you know, I really like this woman or I really love this woman. Like, you know, she's a great character. Um, whereas to maybe in the first issue or so, you're not going to really like her too much you know just because just because that's the person that she is you know i think that when we're when we've experienced that kind of trauma we can you know maybe people who have known us for a long time can kind of stomach us but like new people they don't understand that that mm -hmm. kind of you know brash you know disconnection um so you know luckily for her she's got somebody in her corner who's 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 been there for her for a long time um but but everyone and everyone else around addy a lot just just doesn't really like her you know when they see her coming or see her approaching it's you know more like you know my head's down i don't want to make eye contact i don't want to be berated by this person you know i don't want to be summoned to do something for this person right. so you know she's she's one of those people where you know you don't you don't really want to you don't really want to hang out with her you know you don't want to go to lunch and you know grab a bite with her <laughs> in the Sounds beginning like my kind of character <laughs> So, uh, you know, last time we spoke with you, uh, I believe you were releasing your books under the title Think Alike Productions. So is Think Alike mm -hmm. still, uh, still a thing? Uh, where is uh, Think Alike Productions? Um, you know, sadly, uh, like all, you know, like some things, they, 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 they go to the wayside. Um, sure. You know, uh, we talked about this before we turned on the mics, um, you know, how in, in the beginning uh, I came out of the gate <clears throat> running you know like a thoroughbred uh, and really i didn't know what, what i was running to i was just trying to 
do what other people did. And I had a lot of success. I mean, you know, I was, you Absolutely. know, on your show a few times, you know, we, we tabled at New York Comic Con, you know, two years, three years running, um, did major giveaways. You know, we grew. You guys had a we, fantastic we looking uh, presence at a con, too. Yeah. Like, your oh, guys' yeah. setup was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, we went through, we, you know, it was, it was a major thing. Like we, we were really committed to becoming a major publisher. Um, but then I found myself running a business and not sure. creating and not writing. Um, and then that put stress on my then marriage, you know, and then my mom got sick and, and passed away. And so many things happened. And, and a lot of those creators evolved, like Bob Sally went on to source point press and now he's been tremendous success with gargoyles you know brian l hawkins you know just just a ton of people who who were there with me at the start are now you know having some some major success so you know it's it's a beautiful thing to see um but no sadly think of like productions you know i had to put that to the side um right now i'm just you know focusing on, on myself as a writer i you know i created ruben the writer as just a little moniker uh, to go by on Twitter and Instagram and, and you know, created a little logo so that I could put it on my books. You know, I'm working closely with a friend of mine, Casey Bowker, on another book um, uh, called In Fairy that has an issue out now, and we're getting ready to release issues two and three soon here. Um, and he's got his own, you know, imprint, not so much a publishing label, but an imprint called DFAT Comics. They've got their own show, you know, uh, their own podcast, Don't Forget a Towel. Uh, and their own, you know, website. Don't forget a town news that deals with pop culture. Um, and they're also comic book creators. So they just created, you know, an imprint under that called DFAT Comics. And he was like, dude, we're working on Inferi. You know, no contracts, no nothing. You know, just bring everything over. And if you ever get picked up by somebody else, you you go on your way, you know? And I was like, I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. He was like, yeah, well, you know, we'll put it on the website. And, you know, it's just a, a, a friend and a fellow creator looking out, you know, trying to mm -hmm. put more eyes on me, you know, through through their through through their sites and things like that. But if we can grow DFAT, we're going to, you know, in terms of our creations and, and the things that we're doing. I don't think we're going to go outside looking for other creators to publish. But, sure. you know, me and Casey, we've 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 done a good job with Inferi and him and Chris got got another book that just funded called Pursuit of Plastic, which is a fun book uh, about toy collecting. Um, you know, it's 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 just a move, a work in progress, but but mainly just focusing on myself as a writer and a creator, um, and just trying to put out great stories. I get it. You Easily, know, yeah. when we started doing this show, you know, once we start getting some, uh, I guess, good feedback and having some cool things happen to us, you know. I guess it's the same kind of thing. We hit the ground just running full force. We were recording this show. We were trying to do as much video content as we possibly could. And then came another series, the What If series. And, <laughs> you know, uh, I love every bit of it. Mm -hmm. I love all of it. But over time, you know, once it all, like, you know, it became work, like Ruben was saying. Yep. You know, time for creativity became minimal, and it was just about blogging, posting, social media. <laughs> and it just, it sucks it out. So we had to kind of backtrack ourselves. You know, we all that shit kind of went to the mm -hmm. side. No more video production for some time. We're going to put this other show to the side for a while. Let's just focus on what we started with and get this going first. So, I mean, I get it. I get it, man. Um, having too many irons in on the fire, getting uh, very... You just get excited. You get that fucking fire in yeah. your belly, and you just you don't want to do this. I could do this. I could do this. But then you're doing all this, and then you're like, now what am I doing? And to sit and say that's even a mess misstep is is, is wrong because it's not. No. You know, it's it's. Uh, I think if you have that initial fire, 
it's always going to be there. You just have to find a way to manage it mm-hmm. so it doesn't right. burn you up. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Right. And I think that, again, you know, like if it would have just been me, you know, then then that it would have been a different story. But again, you know, yeah. you, you you start to bring in other creators and you start to feel responsible for these people, you know, and the things that they want to do and and the shortcomings of, you know, a publisher that you you yourself as a new business know you can't do, you know, for certain things, um, you know, and and again, you start feeling this, this, this sense of responsibility to where. You're more worried about somebody else's release and making sure that their files are good at comicsology and, and so on mm-hmm. and so forth, that that you're not sitting down and writing, you know. And um, and again, it just becomes, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to run a publishing company or do you want to be a writer, you know? And um, and that was a question I had to ask myself, you know, when I whenever when the when the smoke cleared and the dust settled after the divorce, I said, okay, what is it that you want to do? Do you want to own a business or do you want to be a writer, you know? Right. Um, because as much as I love comics, I love watching people succeed and I love watching people. Um, you know, do great things. So there's a, there's a, there's a level, there's a part of me that does love to be that shepherd, so to speak, you know what I'm saying? That doesn't even create anything, just puts you on the path and, and, and helps you and guides you. Um, but, but there's a way larger part of me that wants to tell stories. And, you know, maybe there's a, you know, maybe that role for me of being the shepherd is down the line for now. I just want to make sure that my voice is heard and that I grow that, that Romero, that Romero verse, so to speak, and, and continue to, to build on top of it. That's really cool. It's good to uh, be talking with you again, you know, over the years since we haven't spoken, you've popped into my mind from time to time. And I guess I could have been, you know, a little more proactive and just sent a simple email. But I've always just wondered, you know, I hope Ruben's doing all right. I haven't heard from Ruben in a while. And uh, it's just awesome to have you here and hear from you and hear that you're doing uh, well, man. I'm glad to be here, man. Yeah, I mean, everybody goes through a little metamorphosis. You know, you go through your ups mm. and downs, uh, missteps. You know, the, the Rock said something the other day that his dad used to tell him all the time. He said, it's okay to have setbacks. Just don't let us set you back. And um, and I'm going to keep that with me here at 39. I'm, I'm still learning gems and, and things that I'll probably pass on to my son from other people who have experienced things that have not let them break them, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and, you know, even even and it's OK to break, too, because when you break, you can just reform the pieces even stronger. And I think that that's what happened to me, you know, through everything that 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 happened to me in those first few years of think alike marriage, my mom getting sick, all of these things. All of these things coincided together and you know that's a lot of weight you know and right. and and I, and I needed a moment and then when i but now that i'm fully back in it you know having in fairy fund uh in fairy funding and the early part of 2000 and, or the late part of 2019 having the agency one through six fund um in 2020 and now coming here with the illusion witch and, and a couple other projects here for 2021 i feel so confident and i feel like that kid in 2014 again where I can, yeah. you know, I can take on the world. And it's one of those things where, like, you can only feel like that if you put in the work and you, and you, you know, on both ends, not only as a creator, but as a person. So I feel like I've grown in so many ways from, you know, that kid that you, you had back on the show back then to, to now. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here and I'm glad to, to be able to keep telling stories. Me too, because you write some good ones, man. You write some good ones. Thank you. Thank you. Now, uh, as far as uh, Twitter or Instagram, uh, you could be found at Ruben the Writer. Uh, where else should we be directing people, Ruben? Yeah, nah, Twitter is my favorite. You know, Twitter, um, obviously, it's going to be a little less exciting now because I don't get to go on every day and, and tell Donald Trump how I feel about him. <laughs> um, but I'm still finding 
ways to be happy on Twitter, you know? Sure, so, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's my favorite place to be, uh, is social media wise. I love Instagram. Uh, but that, that's solely becoming like a dedication to my, to my son, <laughs> um, which it should be. Uh, I feel like I, you know, I always wondered about parents. I'm like, how do parents post so many pictures of their kids? But now I get it. You know, it's one of those, it's one of those proud <laughs> things that you can, that you only understand because it's your kid. Um, but no, you, you know, I post a lot of my, you know, I'm not the artist, I'm only the writer. So my Instagram visually is not very, um, appealing. Uh, so, you know, I post a lot of art there, a lot of upcoming projects, uh, but mostly, you know, you can find me on Facebook at Ruben the Writer uh, or Ruben Romero. Uh, you can friend request me. I'm friendly. Um, and uh, <laughs> or you can follow me on Twitter at Ruben the Writer. And when I forgot to ask this totally, when can we expect the first issue of Illusion, uh, Illusion Witch? Um, well, the Kickstarter launches on January 28th. So next Thursday. Um, oh, OK. So, uh, you know, we're going to run 30 days. We're through production. I mean, God forbid it doesn't fund. It's OK, because I'm, I'm I believe in this thing so much that it's all paid for anyway. And, you know, the the the, the Kickstarter is so I can get rewards and prints and, you know, do some cooler stuff with the release of the book. But the book is going to come out regardless. I mean, this is, you know, besides the agency, which is my baby. And, I, and you know, and I love that that story. You know, the illusion, which is one of those things where I feel like it needs to come out no matter what so even if sure. it takes it a little longer than you know if it forgot you know like i said god forbid the kickstarter doesn't fund it'll maybe take me a couple more weeks to, to get it out there but i am i believe so much in this thing that i you know even if the kickstarter doesn't go well i know that once people start to read it and the word starts to get around about it i think you know you know it'll 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 see the light of day it'll fin i'll be able to finish the story throughout so i'm not i'm not too concerned about it i'm not worried about it i know that 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 the path I'm on is a good path, uh, good path, and and I feel like it's gonna all work out. So I'm gonna be able to tell Addy a story without a doubt. I'm excited to check it out. It's gonna be cool. Yeah. It sounds like something I need to read myself. So, Ruben, you always have a home here, brother. Anytime you want to come on, you just let us know. All right, man. I appreciate it so much. Very good. We appreciate you being back with us, man. Jack, what do we have on the website, sir? Go to CandarePodcast.com where you can see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on all our social media, become a patron, buy some merch, see some YouTube videos, and if you'd like to be a guest, send us an email on our contacts page. And there it is. And also on that page, there's a link over to our Patreon page where $5 a month gets you access to the Candare Patreon pod, which is just a show that uh, kind of goes all over the place. Sometimes we just sit and bullshit. Sometimes we sit and watch old commercials from the 80s and riff on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? I mean, all kinds of stuff we've done on that show. And then at $10 a month, there's a whole new tier, guys. Um, all, all kinds of new stuff coming out. Remember the segment we cut from the show, The Comic Vault? Well, it's back. There it is. It has its whole new show now. It's its own show on Patreon, The Comic Vault, where we sit for about 30, 40 minutes and talk nothing but comics. And uh, we have some special things coming out on there, too. Uh, already, the Star Wars radio theater thing we did, when was that, Jack? 2016? The day The Force Awakens came out and yeah. launched. Yeah, we had it on that online for what, maybe... A month, and yeah. then due to mixed reviews, we decided it's got to go. <laughs> I got to listen to it again. I tell you what, on the re-listen, it was a lot of fun. But uh, we have some radio theater projects we're releasing. Uh, one of the things I cannot wait to release is the interview that went wrong, mm-hmm. that uh, no one's ever heard of. Uh, Uncle Larry. No, not or Larry. Not. <laughs> Uncle Lloyd. Uncle Lloyd, that's Lloyd right. Kaufman Uncle Lloyd Kaufman from uh, Troma. We had him on, and... 
boy, did shit go south in that interview. So south that we didn't air it. Yeah. And it's never seen the light of day until now. We're going to pull it out. We're going to listen to it. We're going to give commentary. And if you want to hear it, I'm afraid you're going to have to pay for that, folks. <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash CandarePod or just go to CandarePodcast.com and hit that Patreon button. Anything else, Jack? That's it for this week. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it then. Uh, so until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And I am Ruben Romero. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. And always remember to be excellent to each other. are mean, so I'm running away from home. Where you gotta go? I don't know yet, but that'll show them. <laughs> it sure will. Shipwreck! Parents just don't understand, and it gets lonely on the road, so be sure to listen to the Candare podcast. And now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. This has been a Candare production. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business, when you need it, from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.